Hey y'all, welcome back to Eco Chic. My name is Laura Diaz. It is so nice to see you here today. I am so excited about today's guest. Today we are speaking with Brooke Harvey Taylor, founder and president of Pacifica Beauty. Pacifica is a brand that I love as a consumer that I've loved for a really long time since I was in high school, just learning how to do my makeup. Pacifica was the brand that I gravitated towards. And I feel like there's something about today's conversation that gives me such a wonderful perspective on the beauty industry as a whole, how it's changed over time, how sustainability is being incorporated into the conversation, how we're talking more and more about things like vegan products and cruelty-free products. And something that really excites me about Pacifica specifically is that these themes and these values that I just mentioned that they've held true are available to the masses. Pacifica products are available just about anywhere that you are shopping for skincare beauty items. They're a really reasonable price point, and I think because of that, something that I really, really wanted to talk to Brooke about today was the democratization of clean beauty making clean beauty available to the masses. And she delivered, we went so deep into packaging and industry standards and consumer perceptions. And this was such a good, informative, value-packed conversation. I feel like you can learn a lot from it. Even outside of the beauty space, I think that a lot of the strategy and reflections that Brooke shares today are really, really applicable to any industry. A little bit more background on Brooke Harvey-Taylor. She founded the 100% vegan and cruelty-free brand Pacifica Beauty more than 25 years ago and has been truly leading innovation in the clean beauty space ever since. From the brand's inception in 1996, Brooke has been dedicated to building an inclusive and authentic community, giving back to meaningful causes, which we talk about today, while always listening to consumers' wants and needs. She believes in clean, non-toxic beauty. She believes it should be available at an accessible price point And she's committed to producing effective products and sustainable packaging that can do right by both community and the planet. Something that I was really excited to talk to Brooke about today was the core values that Pacifica puts on the forefront of a lot of their actions. Their core value is compassion for people, animals, and the planet. Brooke and the Pacifica Beauty team all make decisions among these four truths things that they hold in really high regard, clean ingredients, always cruelty-free and vegan, better packaging, and social justice. Again, Pacifica is globally available across the US, Canada, UK, and the EU. It is a really powerful brand in the space, and I am so, so grateful for the opportunity to learn directly from Brooke herself. If you enjoy this episode, you should share it with a friend, you should post it on your Instagram story, you should tag me at Podcast. All of my social links are in the show notes, and I just want to talk to you. I just want to hang out online. Make sure that you are subscribed to the show. Even if you've been here for a while, just double check on the Apple Podcast app that you're subscribed, on Spotify that you're following, wherever you're listening, that you are getting regular updates on Eco Chic. Especially if this is your first time here, you don't have to double check. I promise you're really going to enjoy subscribing to this podcast, so just go ahead and do it. And while you're there, if you want to rate and review, I would really appreciate it. And let's just get into today's episode. I am so excited to share with you this conversation between myself and Brooke Harvey-Taylor, founder and president of Pacifica Beauty on sustainable, clean beauty for all. Enjoy. Brooke, welcome to Eco Chic. I'm excited to have you. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. I really appreciate it and super honored as well. 
my goodness. Well, I'm super honored. I feel like I've heard so many great things about your story and I shared with you earlier, I love Pacifica as a brand and really enjoy your products. So I'm really excited to get into a little bit about you and about the brand and everything you have going on today. Awesome. I can't wait. Before we talk about the origin story of Pacifica, I would love to talk a little bit about your upbringing, because I feel like that plays a major role in you as a businesswoman. Tell me a little bit about Brooke Harvey as a child. Oh, I love that question. You know, I feel like I was preparing for this brand my whole life. I grew up on a little cattle ranch in Montana, and my mom was an early adopter of natural products. And so she was diagnosed with MS when we were kids. My sister and I were kids, and she became really focused on eliminating chemicals from our diet and from our environment. And she was an early member of our local food co-op in Bozeman. And my sister and I worked there for our family discount. And I always gravitated to stocking the beauty shelves because you could kind of choose your job, like stock the lettuce or stock the beauty shelves. And I always chose the beauty. And I just started thinking about, oh my gosh, I could do a brand. What would, what would my brand look like? And just fantasizing about that. And at being a kid that was growing up on a little farm, cattle ranch, we did what was called 4-H. And so we would choose an animal to raise. One year I chose lambs and I was raising these lambs and it was cold in Montana. And so they slept in our room and I got really attached to the animals that we're raising. And then realized that these animals were going to slaughter. So one of the parts of 4-H is touring the slaughterhouse and you get to see that this pet, in my mind, it was a pet that we were, you know, humanely raising, but it was going to go to slaughter and it was going to be eaten. And so I really started thinking about animals in a very different way as I grew older and Growing up around these animals, I really understood that they're sentient beings and that we should not be using them for beauty or testing on them. And I became vegetarian and later vegan and really started thinking about how we think about animals differently. So those were my early, I would say, formative experiences that really informed Pacifica. And then when I was in college, I was studying sociology with a focus on environmentalism through social policy. But on the side, I was apprenticing with an aromatherapist and I learned a lot about skincare ingredients and natural healing and essential oils. And I started to even make my own skincare and perfumes that I would sell at like the country fair or Grateful Dead shows. And I got really excited about thinking about creating again, back to my, back to my own beauty brand, creating beauty. And when I met my husband, he was like, let's turn your ideas into a company. And so to me, Pacifica is a love story, like between like my husband and I, but also thinking about compassion and, you know, we've been around 26 years and we plan on being around another 26 years and forever. You know, we love what we do. I love, I love this brand. I think an important part of Pacifica really is that, you know, my origin story too, and my growing up and and really like, I think this brand is an expression of things that are really important to me and, and my life. So I, I don't think I could talk about this brand without talking about my childhood and growing up and how I really formed these very specific ideas around what's meaningful. I love that story. That is so full circle. And I have some immediate thoughts. I have to say the image of you selling perfumes and your own homemade skincare ingredients at Grateful Dead shows. I love that image. I think that is so pure. And I feel like the progression and you meeting your husband and having this partner that really supported you wholeheartedly is a really beautiful part of the brand origin story as well. 
and this concept of community. And I know that compassion and that community aspect of Pacifica is also really important. So I feel like I really see you taking these themes through to fruition today. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah I, I, I love that. Yeah, I appreciate that. I would love to talk a little bit also now about the environment that you created this brand in. When I think of the early 90s, I don't think of the most open, cruelty-free environment in makeup and skincare. I don't necessarily think that these themes held as standards the way that we think of them now or the way that people are open and educated about some of these topics now. So I'd love to talk a little bit about those early formative days. What was the backlash like if there was any? What were the challenges like? What environment were you really bringing this brand into? Yeah, that's such a good question. I mean, thinking about the early 90s, I think about, you know, it's funny, I think about even the music we were listening to when we were working on, originally I would perfume the products and sitting in my office perfuming the products, listening to like Rage Against the Machine <laughs> and and the music of the early 90s where it was so inspirational. And there was such a, I think, moment and movement around just doing what you wanted to do, being on the fringe, feeling comfortable. I, so it was, this was in Portland, Oregon. And Portland, Oregon was kind of a wild place in the early 90s, a really easy place to start a brand. It was not expensive. And we had this little tiny studio that we paid like $150 a month for. And we were able to, I brought in an incredible small team as Pacifica started. And so in this little world, in my little sphere, it was really incredible and supportive. But out in the bigger world, you know, I think back to being this young person, like, oh, I'm going to start a beauty brand. It was really like 1996. Um, that was kind of crazy because there weren't really indie beauty brands that existed. It was a very different world back then. The word indie beauty didn't even exist. And it was something that I think had I been older and had known what I was getting into, I might've thought twice, but you know, I was just a brave kid and ready to go take on the world and make big changes. And I think that, you know, some of the experiences that I encountered are so today is so different. There are conversations around sustainability and better packaging. And back then, I mean, I'll never forget going to a beauty packaging supplier and saying, okay, show me everything you have that's recyclable or recycled materials or sustainable in some way. And they brought me two things. And one was a glass jar, totally easy. The other was a plastic lipstick tube wrapped in paper. And he's like, people think these are green and better for the environment. <laughs> this is all you got. Those were really the options back then. And we were one of the first brands to push our tube supplier to use even PCR. They were like, there's no way we can put PCR in a tube. It just can't work. It's going to fail. And we were like, we'll pay for it. Let us put PCR in there. Let's test it. Let's learn together. And so we were in this position where we were really, I would say, disruptors of change. We were really pushing and pushing and trying to get the beauty industry to come along with us. And so fast forward to today, it's really exciting. There's incredible ingredients. There's incredible packaging that's available. There's this movement toward being better, which is amazing. Back then it was, it was a really hard, hard and heavy lift for sure. I'm so, so glad that you touched on the packaging because that was something I really wanted to explore with you. I feel like packaging gets interesting backlash sometimes in 
the beauty space where it is either really great or not good enough. And there is this kind of consumer judgment that we now have, especially in the rise of awareness around clean beauty and sustainable beauty. So I think that having the packaging conversation around what can you push as a brand, what's available, how do you push these partners that you have in your suppliers is really important because in sustainability is very often not a matter of we can't do it, but we just haven't done it before. Yeah, for sure. There's, there's a lot of that. The bottom line is <laughs> I would say being a brand is not a sustainable act, right? It's you're a brand. And so you're using packaging. That is just the way it is. I was shopping with my daughter yesterday and in, in Reformation. And one of the things they said is the most sustainable thing to do is be naked. And I, I love that. And I love the idea of that. And I think that when nobody is perfect with packaging and when you're creating product and putting it in a package, you have to think about all sorts of things. You have to think about the end of life. You have to think about what goes into the package, what's going into the design of the package. There's so many steps along the way. And, you know, Pacifica, I never claim that we're perfect. I never claim that we're doing everything right. We're taking accountability. We're working really hard to think about being better. We're thinking about lightweighting. We're thinking about our carbon footprint. And those are things that are really important. So I think that as we think about packaging and as we talk about packaging, we just have to admit that, again, there's no perfect answer. At the end of the day, it's how do we minimize our carbon footprint on the planet and how do we take responsibility for it so that it's not just for the consumer to take accountability for. On the topic of packaging and this evolution of packaging within Pacifica products, but also within the industry and really pushing these suppliers, do you have a time that you can recall where you pushed for something that maybe was not as great as you originally planned? Can you think of an early, perhaps misstep in Pacifica? that you learned from? Oh, that's such a good question. I feel like we've had for sure missteps and failures along the way. You know, I think that we're all learning so much as brands about what's recyclable, how to think about recyclability, how to think about informing your consumer. I would say that we have had to really give a lot of thought to education and I can't say that we've ever like just missed the mark, but I would say that for us, making sure that we're making the right statements, talking about things in the right way has been really critical and really important and also really hard. Everyone wants to be, be able to believe that they can recycle everything. And, and it's very difficult to do that, even with sometimes glass. And so I think that that's something that for us, making sure that we're using the right statements about what we're producing has been really important and again, a challenge. So I think that it's not a misstep, but it's something that's been really hard to always know what's right and how to, at the end of the day, make the consumer's experience with your product positive versus I think that sometimes as brands, we don't always think about the end of life, of that product for the consumer and their journey with it. And the fact that they want to be able to take accountability for that product and the footprint of that product. And if we're not doing that on the front end as brands, then we're making it that much less of a positive experience for the consumer. And that's something that we think about a lot. And I think that, you know, we don't always get that right. And it's, and it's hard. I feel like that was a very reflective answer that it's not necessarily a misstep, but education is surely a huge hurdle 
for any brand, much less a brand like Pacifica that is bringing something new to market, especially new to a lot of consumers. It's a lot of education that you're doing. And something that I would really like your reflections on as well, when I think of Pacifica as a consumer, when I think of major brands that have really impacted the marketplace, I think something that I associate with Pacifica or a theme that I look at Pacifica as doing really incredibly is democratizing clean beauty. Pacifica was one of the very first exposures that I had, and I'm sure a lot of people had, to what clean beauty really meant. So whether it is vegan beauty, cruelty-free beauty, beauty that is really strict about their ingredients or sustainable packaging. And clean beauty is a term that I feel like both means a lot and means nothing. It's a really vague term that a brand has to take to themselves to hold certain standards to. So I'd love to talk to you a little bit about democratizing clean beauty. What does it mean to bring clean beauty to the masses? I think it's really important for me to start with our core values. So our core value is compassion for the planet, animals, and people. And for us, this also means we're conscious of the way that we move through the world as a brand, and we're really purposeful in our actions. So this is why one of the things we've developed in this over the years is our compassion standards, which are five key pillars. So they include 100% vegan and cruelty-free, efficacy, sustainability, accessibility, and activism. And accessibility for me is the democratization piece. So I see Pacifica as much of a movement as a brand. Products are our vehicle. And I think if people can't afford better ingredients and more responsible packaging, then how are we really making an impact? How are we really making the biggest change we can make? I don't believe in being exclusive or that better should be just for a few select people with higher incomes. I really think that's not fair. And additionally, we want to make sure that our products are where our customer is, where they want to be, where they want to be shopping and that they can find us. So to me, accessibility is an act of compassion and it's something that we're really, really focused on. It's very important to us to, to remain accessibly priced, accessibly available, and really be a mass brand and be a mass player and be a brand that, you know, that you can really count on, even though it is luxury and we are creating incredibly effective products using amazing ingredients. I want to make sure that back to being a movement, we're also really there to serve as many people as possible. Otherwise, I don't think we're completing our mission. Yeah. That's a really beautiful, also reflective response. I feel like you have clearly thought this out your entire career, but just hearing it firsthand is really powerful. I love also this commitment to being a mass brand and being where your consumers are and making sure that your brand is accessible. Because for me, for someone who does not work in the product space, when I think of making products for the masses, I think of scale because it's like Costco, you're making it at bulk. So when I think about products and I think about creating products for the masses and getting to scale, I feel like that's also really intimidating for a young brand to think about scale and think about making sure that products are at a price point when they are competitive with whatever else is available in these shopping places. I guess my question (laughs) here is, how do you get to scale? How did you get from this point of creating products yourself? 1996, you launch a brand, you have a wonderfully supportive team in Portland and you're bringing it to the masses, you're educating people, you are shaking up an industry. How are you producing and selling so much product that you can make these products competitive in those early days? 
In the early days, we were tiny. So I think it's been, you know, it's been a, a big journey for us. It's been 25 years of growth and it's been sustained, careful, thought, you know, well thought out. I think that we've learned a lot along the way and it hasn't been like this just explosion of a brand. It's been a very, again, deliberate, like, okay, this is where we are here. This is how we're growing sort of movement. And that's why I think for me, the other piece to that is the fact that we want to be around forever. I want Pacifica to be a brand that is around for generations to come because we've been careful in the products that we've put in the world, the way we're thinking about our products, the way we've thought about growth. I mean, these are all things that are incredibly meaningful. And, you know, I think about brands that are these legacy brands that have been with us for, you know, since I, since I was little. And I want Pacifica to be one of those brands. And when I first started, it's not like I thought, oh my gosh, we're going to be this big giant brand for the masses. So that wasn't the intention. And definitely have been nice. And it was like the dream, but it was also something that didn't scare us because for me, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, we have to have all these things and an investor and all this money. One of the things I get asked a lot by other brands and other brand founders, because if you're a brand founder and you're listening to this, call me. I'm always here to help other brand founders. I truly believe in radical collaboration, whether it's around sustainability, whether it's around product, innovation, whatever. But one of the things that people ask me a lot is how do you get an investor and how do you get money and how do you scale? And for me, my answer is always go and be a brand, go and actually be meaningful to a group, a small group of people, a small, you know, your, your little group, your small community, be a brand and start there and serve that community and then start getting bigger from that place. I mean, I think it's really important for people to be mindful about that. You know, it's not like you should start a brand tomorrow and it's going to blow up and you're going to be able to sell it and make a ton of money. Like that shouldn't be your, your intention. You're, you know, I feel like be a brand, really serve your customer, really think about what you're doing every step of the way and then success will follow. Quick break, I'm always looking for an extra way to help offset my carbon footprint, but it can be really difficult to figure out where to start until I found Ren. Ren is a startup that's making it easy for everyone to make meaningful difference in the climate crisis. Right now, they're focused on monthly subscriptions where you can calculate your carbon footprint, then offset it by supporting awesome climate projects that plant trees, protect rainforests, and invest in other cool climate solutions. Their goal is to unlock the collective action of millions of individuals to drive systemic change needed to end the climate crisis. We talk a lot about climate change on this show, and I've shared quite a few personal anecdotes about how climate change is impacting me and communities that I really care about. It can be a little overwhelming to always be talking about big-scale solutions or policy change, but making sure that my lifestyle aligns with those same values is really, really powerful and makes me so much more confident in my role in part of the solution. Ren is a website where you can calculate your personal carbon footprint based on your lifestyle, then offset it by funding projects that plant trees, protect rainforests, sequester CO2, and more. Signing up for Ren is an easy way to do something meaningful about the climate crisis. Ren practices hyper-transparency. I really love this. Once you sign up to make a monthly contribution to offset your carbon footprint, You'll receive monthly updates about that particular tree that you're planning or that rainforest protection project that you are supporting funding. You can even see the exact coordinates of that tree that you're planting, like I mentioned earlier. It's going to take all of us to end the climate crisis. Do your part today by signing up for Wren. 
go to wren.co slash eco chic sign up and they'll plant 10 extra trees in your name that's wren.co slash eco chic start making a difference thank you ren it is no secret around here that I am all about the supplements and the vitamins and getting my wellness in check. And so lately I've been having a lot of conversations with my friends and family about their wellness routines. I recently got into a conversation with some girlfriends around what kind of vitamins we took as children, and turns out that typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. The typical kid's vitamin is filled with two tablespoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk that growing kids should never really eat. That's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved super-powered chewable vitamin. Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes great and is perfect for picky eaters. Haya is designed for kids of all ages and it's sent straight to your door so parents can have one less thing to worry about. It's non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, I feel like that's a really big one in kids' vitamins, nut-free, and everything else you can imagine. Haya is made from a blend of 12 farm-fresh fruits and vegetables and supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals known to help support a healthy immune system, energy levels, brain function, mood, teeth, bones, and more. Haya arrives straight to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. Your first month comes with a reusable glass bottle. Your kids can personalize their bottles with stickers. Then every month after that, Haya sends no plastic refill pouches of fresh vitamins, which means Haya isn't just good for your kids, it's good for the environment. I love a refillable option. We've worked out a special offer with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin, and you can receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash EcoChic or enter code EcoChic at checkout. That's H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash EcoChic and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Full discount will be applied at checkout. I love that answer because there is no secret sauce. It was no. strategic. It's not about scaling immediately. It's not about investors. That is such a good answer. I say the same thing about podcasting. When people ask me about getting into podcasting, you can't wake up one day and be top of the charts. You got to work for it and you've got to find your audience and show up for people where they are. So I feel like there's a lot of spaces that can learn from your strategy. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I love that. I'd love to talk a little bit now also just switching gears a little bit about the industry. You say you really believe in radical collaboration, which I love. And I think that's so refreshing. I'd love to talk a little bit about where you see the industry moving, especially as we've seen more developments in sustainable packaging, as we've seen more developments in the cruelty-free testing space, as consumer needs are changing and wellness trends are changing very quickly. Where do you see the clean beauty movement moving? That's a really hard question. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> I would say I'm so focused on what we're doing, but I don't think about this bigger movement. I think about Pacifica and our position in the world and what we're doing. I think that the consumer has really changed. And I think it's a really exciting time around clean beauty, around sustainable packaging, around thinking about these things. I think that the industry is going to continue doing better and getting better, thinking about it more. And I think that it's important for every single brand to take accountability in some way for what they're putting out in the world. And I think that that is a big shift. And I think it will continue shifting as we move forward. And I think that the new generation Gen Z coming up is just really excited about brands that 
either take a social stance, take a stance on the environment, take a stance on something that's meaningful to them. And I think we'll see more of that. And I think that that's really where things will be moving into the future is really paying attention to what your community is asking for. I think brands of the past have told the consumer what they need, have told the consumer what they're going to get, have pushed ingredients that aren't great, have pushed product that's not great, and have been sort of like the authority around these things. Whereas today, I think the consumer is much more the one in power, the one who is the authority. They're far more educated about ingredients. They're thinking about ingredients. They really care about ingredients. They care about the planet. They care about packaging. And so I think the consumer is in the driver's seat today versus brands. And I think that that will continue and will get stronger and stronger. And honestly, for me, I think that's incredibly exciting. I think the I'm so inspired and so motivated by the generation coming up. I'm actually raising a couple of young women. My daughter's 19. I have a 12-year-old daughter. And they are just really powerful humans. And imagine, I feel like if I had grown up in the world today, it would be it's a scary, intense situation, a scary, intense place. It's, it's hard raising kids today in, in this environment. And I think that this is a generation that is really looking at things very differently. And I think they will be the ones to own the future. I mean, obviously they will, but they are the ones pushing for brands to be better, people to be better. And they're pretty amazing. I think you're right about all of it. I think you're very right to say that the consumer is now in more power than they've ever been, especially in the beauty space. Especially I'm thinking of the skincare space. I feel like skincare has never been as heavily discussed or as educated on in the public eye as it is today. And like you said about ingredients, there's more information than ever at our fingertips as consumers. And we've also never had more choice. There has never been more choice in the consumer space when it comes to products. So I think there's also never been more opportunity for us to be skeptical as consumers of certain brands and looking at things like brands not taking a stance, especially in the political climate that we live in now. It's really difficult for me as a consumer to get behind a brand that's not saying anything during a heightened time of political unrest. So it is really refreshing to see a brand that's plugged into their community in a way that recognizes the consumer power because that means it's a two-way street. It is also you receiving feedback and you improving your products or you improving any offerings you have or outside of your product offerings that inform the company about what the consumer wants, which is, again, really empowering from the consumer standpoint, but also as the brand standpoint. Like You've never had more information. You've never had more access to your consumer than we have today. How do you feel the role of that two-way dialogue between the brand and the consumer is supporting Pacifica now? Do you feel like you're making choices differently because you have that direct line to consumers? Interesting. We are always true to our core value, compassion. That hasn't changed at all and won't change for us in any way. What we've been able to do is get better at communicating that message. I think that we are also better at partnering with whether it's an influencer or whether it's a, even our community in some way around what's meaningful to them around product launches. Social media has made it obviously a lot easier to 
hear immediate feedback about a product. So I think that that's been super helpful and has helped us be better product developers and serve our consumers' asks and needs and wants better. So I think that's thinking about that really difficult question. No, that was a great answer. That was a great answer. I think that you're completely correct in saying the role of social media has really changed the way a lot of brands not necessarily make decisions, but how they think about product launches or how they are receiving feedback because you're not necessarily now waiting for people to write letters into your headquarters PO box. It is a lot more immediate. Yeah. Imagine 25 years ago and not having social media. Like it did not exist. Yeah. That is a difficult time to- I don't even think we had Wi-Fi. (laughs) Yeah. That's hard. That's really hard to launch a brand with such limited access to your consumers. Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah. It's really different. And it's, again, it's, it also makes it far more exciting and more interesting now. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, I'd love to expand a little bit further. I know that you're receiving a lot of feedback from consumers. You've already been really dedicated to sustainable packaging and this pillar of compassion. I know that you have a new launch coming up with your credit initiative. So we're working with the Plastic Collective which is a group out of the UK started by an incredible woman. I love that was it was started by a woman named Louise Hardman over 25 years ago, similar to us. And she was volunteering with the Marine Education Society in Australasia on a turtle tagging program. And she discovered a small little turtle that was from eating plastics in the seagrass. They, they discovered that this is what was killing the turtle and after it didn't survive. And from that day forward, Luis was really determined to do something about plastic waste, which is amazing. She developed a mobile recycling machine and an education program focused on how to transform plastic waste into valuable items. So she started running workshops and she started a seminar called Know Your Plastics. And she then developed the Plastic Collective where now her brother Steve works with their amazing team. And their goal is to help the world's most vulnerable communities, which are often remote, whose lives and environments are massively impacted by plastic waste, help them collect that waste because collection is virtually non-existent at that point. And Plastic Collective creates a system where they give trash a value. And one of my favorite quotes from Luis is give trash a value and it no longer becomes trash. And so what we've done is, and what any brand can do, and this is the exciting part, is we've partnered with Plastic Collective on our 100% plastic collection project that collects and recycles plastics equivalent to the plastic that we're using, PCR or not. And in partnership with the Plastic Collective, we're providing funding to developing plastic recycling social enterprises that address plastic waste in territories with high environmental leakage. And right now we're working with a project in Ghana that's a women's collective focusing in on collecting plastic waste and turning it into essentially something that's not no longer trash. It has a value and they're able to sell it to brands or to those of us who want to use PCR and want to keep that closed loop recycling system moving. And so that's exciting. But the other thing Plastic Collective is doing because they're such incredible educators, they are really working with brands on how you reduce and replace plastic. I've talked pretty openly about my life as a ski girl this year. I'm a hiker. I'm a really active person during the week. And especially when I'm doing outdoor high intensity activities, it is so easy to just forget to drink water or just be dehydrated no matter how much I'm drinking. Element is a really cool, really tasty solution for that kind of lifestyle. 
It contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio, 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, 600 milligrams of magnesium. All of that with none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients. Of course, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. Element is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited for folks following keto, low-carb, or paleo diets. Even if you don't consider yourself a high-performance athlete, electrolyte deficiency and imbalances can cause headaches, cramps, fatigue, weakness. We should all be aware of our hydration. We should all be supporting our electrolyte intake however we can. When you sweat, the primary electrolyte lost is sodium. You can actually lose up to 7 grams per day. When I read that, I was floored. When sodium isn't replaced, it's really common to experience those symptoms I just talked about, like muscle cramps and fatigue. Amongst my friends, I've kind of acquired this unintentional reputation of being a stickler for electrolytes and hydration. I bring these element packets anywhere I am doing some sort of outdoorsy intensive activity. If I'm going skiing with my girlfriends, I make sure to bring an element packet for every person riding in my car because I'm just going to hound us about making sure we're hydrated enough. Hydration is important. I'm not going to play around with it. And if you need an electrolyte stickler friend in your life, I will be that for you. I'm telling you, you got to stay on top of yourself this summer. Element is so sure that you will love their product and come back for more. They're offering you a free element sample pack. That's eight single serving packets for free. You can just cover the cost of shipping, which is $5 for U.S. customers. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash eco chic. This deal is not available on the regular website. You must go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash eco chic. Element offers a no questions asked refund. It's totally risk free. If you don't like it, you can share it with a salty friend and they'll give you your money back. No questions asked. You truly have nothing to lose. Our goal is zero virgin plastic. And this year, we're super excited that 85% of our PET bottles are made from post-consumer material, which is major. It's not perfect. It's a great place to start. But in the end, it's all about lowering our carbon footprint. There's many paths to get there, but this is a program that, that can help. It's not the only thing one should be doing. You know, I think, again, back to collaboration, you know, there's so many ways brands can work together to think about how we address these issues, plastic issues, carbon footprint issues, and just become better at brands so that, like I said earlier, at the end, it's not only landing on the consumer to take accountability for the waste that we're producing. Oh my goodness. Congratulations, first of all. Thanks. Yeah, no, it's been really exciting. It's something that I've been working on for probably over almost two years with the Plastic Collective, because we're really making sure that we're, again, measuring our plastic, measuring our footprint. We're doing our, a carbon fr- footprint exercise with them. They're really incredible and a great team. Wow. That's awesome. Congratulations. That's Thank you. a really exciting initiative. And it sounds like you've made incredible strides at Pacifica with your closed loop system as getting it as closed loop as you can, as quickly as you can. It's exciting. Yeah. The plastic credits are a way to sort of fast forward that and speed up the process while you're working on using less plastic. Again, using other materials, thinking about your carbon footprint. It's just one piece in the whole entire puzzle of of doing better. Again, at the end of the day, it's it's about the climate and climate change. And so your carbon footprint is everything. Yeah. I love thinking about that in tandem with something you said earlier about being in business is inherently a little unsustainable. And it is really difficult to be a business that does good. But it sounds like you are really honed in on making sure you're taking all the steps you can to be as good as you can possibly be. And I love that. It's so admirable. Thank you. 
No, thank you. Yeah, again, it's a lot of work. And I think that as Pacifica and as we as people on our team think about how we can do better, it's something that we're just, again, showing other brands because it's possible. We can do these things together. We can work together. Sustainability isn't about marketing. It's about sustainability. It's about, again, collaborating. It's about thinking about how we are having a smaller impact on the planet as we move forward. That was really eloquent. I like it a lot. The concept of plastic credit is great in itself, but getting it from consumers and continuing those partnerships and sustainability outside of just your brand is really important. Yeah, no, it's incredible. So one of the things that happened this year is Pacifica won Ulta's Conscious Beauty Brand of the Year, which is pretty exciting. So that just happened. That is cool. Congratulations. We won the Conscious Beauty Brand of the Year at Ulta Beauty. And then we're also on, I'm on the Conscious Beauty Council, which is the Conscious Beauty at Ulta Advisory Council, which is a group of industry leaders and change makers at the forefront of clean beauty, product development, packaging, sustainability, brand leadership and insights. And Ulta Beauty created the council to collectively tackle industry issues, cultivate communal efforts, bring about perspective across the industry and and help Ulta and other brands move forward. And so the advisory council really helps bring the Conscious Beauty program at Ulta to life, which is pretty exciting. So that's one of the things that we're working on this year. And I'm so honored to be a part of. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's really admirable. Not just that you're contributing to this, But that, like you were saying earlier, this is radical collective collaboration, which is so cool to see in the beauty space. It really is. It's been really amazing to have even a retailer sort of shepherd that. And it's been a really incredible experience being on the council. I would love to close out our conversation with one last very hard question. I feel like I've been really throwing them at you today and you've been (laughs) awesome. I would love to know if you have a favorite Pacifica product. I feel like this is like asking you to choose a favorite child, which is so unfair. Perhaps a product that you're really excited for more people to try or a product that you use every day. If you could only recommend one thing, what would it be? Okay, I'm going to cheat and I'm going to recommend two things together because I'm obsessed with it. And I'm actually, I was just using them. One is our new reusable my masks which are incredible. So these are a silicone mask that you use just like you would use like a single use paper mask or biocellulose mask. And what you do is you use a serum, which this, my favorite serum is our vegan collagen complex serum. I'm obsessed with that because we're using vegan collagen, which is, it's a non-animal collagen that has a smaller footprint and it's hundred percent vegan and cruelty-free. And you use the two in tandem. So putting this on this and you know, the French process of putting your spices and your herbs and your, whether it's your cauliflower or your chicken in a bag and sealing it up and it like infuses everything into that cauliflower or chicken or whatever you may be eating. Hopefully it's cauliflower. And this does that to your skin. So basically you put a little serum on the mask and it sort of soothes the serum into your skin and it leaves it plump and it leaves it looking younger. And it's my new go-to. I can't live without the system. And they come in a cute little tin so that you can reuse them and you could reuse the tin forever. You can put your stash, whatever you like to stash away in your tin once your masks don't work, but 
you wash them, they get sticky again. And I've been reusing mine now for, I mean, at least 15 plus times. So I'm pretty excited about this. Oh so that's my goodness. One of my, one of my Wait, that's a great answer. And I love also, last thing I'll say that you mentioned vegan collagen, because I feel like even among my girlfriends, collagen is something that the wellness industry has really embraced or consumer wellness girls have really embraced. And a lot of people don't realize that it's not vegan. Yeah, it's, it's hard. Collagen is not vegan unless you are using a vegan collagen, which is a fermented ingredient. So it's pretty cool. I think that one of the most innovative things to happen in the last few years has been fermented ingredients. And it's, it's been a way to use, use fermentation to develop vegan alternatives to what would be traditional animal ingredients through plant sourced inputs. And this is better for the planet, for animals, and it also creates smaller particles. So it's more easily used by your skin and it's made your other ingredients more powerful. So it's a pretty cool innovation. We also use it in our vegan ceramide and you'll, I think, be hearing more and more about it in the world in the future. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. That is so yeah. cool. Of course. Too much innovation going on. There's a lot. We're doing a lot. It's pretty exciting. This is going 2023. 2022 has been major, but 2023 even has a lot more fun things happening from Pacifica. So keep an eye out for even more amazing innovation. Love it. Brooke, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been an absolute treat. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Super fun. I loved it. Thanks so, so much for hanging out with me today. I hope you really enjoyed that conversation with Brooke Harvey-Taylor, president and founder of Pacifica Beauty. If you've stuck around this long, I dare you. Rate and review the show, share it with a friend, put it in the family group chat, say hello to your mom for me. It's been a lot of fun to have you here, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.